keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Tuesday, May 2nd, the Feast of St. Athanasius, who is one of the greatest saints of the Church in his life, offers valuable lessons for us Christians. St. Athanasius lived during the time of Emperor Constantine and his immediate successors. During this period, the Church was transitioning from the catacombs to organizing itself in the light of day. However, as the pagan persecutions decreased, the church, the as a pagan, as the pagan, here we go. Let's restart this. The church was played with heresies and internal divisions. The heresy of Arianism was particularly nefarious, as its followers deny that Jesus Christ was God, instead claiming that he was only a human being. Saint Athanasius, who was the patriarch archbishop of Alexandria, was the great giant who fought against Arianism. He spent 17 of his 46 years as archbishop in exile due to Arian plots against him, and was even threatened with death during one of his fl- uh, flights. He was forced to spend six years hidden at the bottom of an abandoned well. He was always confident in divine providence, always disposed to fight, and always unwavering in his orthodox pur- pur- purposes. He fought against Arianism through his sermons, and his words were taken down, copied, and spread throughout the Roman Empire. And in conclusion, St. Athanasius' life is a shining example of perseverance, courage, and faith. And his fight against Arianism provides an example of how to resist heresy. St. Athanasius, pray for us. Praise be to God. It's so good to be with you today. Happy Tuesday. It is a wonderful day to be here. I'm so happy to be here with you. And the this week, what we're going to be talking about today is we have 15 past the hour. We're going to talk about this article that I just saw that came out about Lutherans defending Catholics. Very, very strange situation. Okay, we're going to talk about that situation and what's the deal there. We're also going to talk to Julian Kwasniewski in 30 past the hour, talk about how to foster authentic masculine and feminine virtues. And in the next hour... Uh, we're going to have our game show, Fear and Trembling, as is our custom. Uh, but good morning to you, Tito Edwards. Good morning. Wow. Thank you for uh, for uh, coming back today, Adrian. And uh, what a glorious week. It's been a great start to our week. Uh, yesterday, we uh, Rudy came in and, and helped us all. And today, it's Tuesday. We've got uh, Julian coming in to talk about feminine and masculine virtues and how to foster them. And uh, today is the feast day of St. Athanasius, the father of orthodoxy, Deo gratias. Yeah, so praise be to God. I think that'll be a good conversation. Uh, how did everything go yesterday? It was good? It went well uh, with two uh, minor errors, uh, volume and uh, something else. I can't call it to the top of my head, but uh, it was flawless. The, uh, okay, praise yeah. be to God. Praise be to God. Amen. All right. Well, let's, uh, well, also, at some point, I want to tell people about the trip I went on, but uh, maybe that will have to wait until the after show. So at 30 past the next hour, we're going to be going into the after show, 
And in the after show, we're going to be, I'm going to tell, share with you all about my trip that I just took. I went to uh, California. So I was in California for the last few days. And it was a very interesting trip. Um, so I'll share that with you all. Uh, maybe at 30 past the next hour, but we shall see. We shall see. So a lot of uh, interesting stories. I went up to St. Michael's Abbey. I ran into uh, Father Sebastian Walsh. I talked to him a little bit, talked to some of my friends. And it was very, very good. So praise be to God. It'll be a uh, interesting stories, at the, to say the least. Also, I ran into this lady. I can't remember her name. I have it written down, and I, I didn't pull it up right at this moment, but I'll have to uh, give her a shout-out later. Um, she recognized me from uh, America Needs Fatima videos, and she was like, oh, you're the guy from America Needs Fatima. And it was pretty funny because I was like, not expecting to be uh, recognized by anybody while uh, in California. So cool, cool little story I'll have to share with you all. Uh, maybe at 30 past the next hour. All right, let's jump into our prayer. We're going to be praying to Our Lady. We'll pray this subtum. It's a very beautiful, very ancient prayer to Our Lady. So we'll be praying for uh, praying that prayer during the month of May, most likely, unless uh, I think of a different prayer to pray. But I think I think subtum is a good prayer. All right, let's let us pray. We'll pray in Latin and we'll pray in English as a very short prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Uh, subtuum presidium confugimus sancta de genetrix nostras deprecationes ne despices in necitatibus sera periculus cuncti celebra no semper virgo gloriosa et benedicta. We fly to thy protection, O holy mother of God. Despise not our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all danger, O glorious and blessed virgin. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Thank you, Adrian. Today, good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Tuesday, May 2nd, in the year of our Lord, 2023, and these are your headlines. LifeSite is reporting Bishop Thomas Tobin. Outspoken and courageous defender of the faith retires at age 75. The Providence, Rhode Island bishop was not afraid to call out Catholics who support abortion and LGBT ideology, and he has defended devotion to the traditional Latin Mass. Bishop Thomas Tobin of the Diocese of Providence, Rhode Island, known for his outspoken defense of the Catholic Church's moral teachings on the sanctity of life, marriage, and human sexuality, has resigned upon reaching his age of 75 to be succeeded by Bishop Richard Henning, who was appointed in November 23rd, of last year by Pope Francis as co-adjutor bishop of the of Providence. Catholic News Agency is reporting Cuban bishops present vision for country in the Cuban bishops presented a vision for their country in meeting with the communist government. The meeting was with Cuban president Miguel Diaz-Canel and other members of the regime. The bishops said in their statement that they listened to the information criteria and assessments given by Diaz-Canel and Marrero, who also fully explained their visions and future prospects regarding the issues addressed, which were not disclosed. GothicCulture.org is reporting Pope Francis discussed his illness that led to his brief hospitalization late in March during an exchange with reporters on his return flight from Hungary. I had severe acute pneumonia, the Pope revealed. That explanation contradicts statements issued by the Vatican officials during the Pope's stay in Gamelli Hospital. The Vatican had originally attributed the Pope's hospitalization to a respiratory infection and later to bronchitis. 
LifeSite is reporting the Biden administration is dropping the COVID jab mandate for foreign travelers and federal employees next week. Monday's announcement means unvaccinated Serbian Christian superstar of tennis Novak Djokovic will once again be allowed to compete in U.S. tournaments. The Biden administration will finally scrap its COVID-19 jab mandate for foreigners traveling to the U.S. on May 11th, the day the federal government is allowed its federal COVID-19 public health emergency to expire. The rollback comes more than three years after the start of COVID-19 epidemic and follows a February effort by Republican lawmakers to end the rule. On a side note, thank you, Donald Trump. You said it was only going to be two weeks. Those are your headlines this morning. God bless you all. The gospel of the day comes from John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. And now the dedication feast was taking place at Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus was walking about in the temple in Solomon's porch. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long wilt thou go on keeping us in suspense? If thou art the Christ, tell us openly. And Jesus answered them, I have told you, but you will not believe me. All that I do in my Father's name bears me testimony, but still you will not believe me. That is because you are no sheep of mine. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them everlasting life, so that to all eternity they can never be lost. No one can tear them away from my hand. This trust which my Father has committed to me is more precious than all else. No one can tear them away from the hand of my Father. My Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. There are a number of things from Cornelius Lapide that we could discuss and it's so difficult to try to pick just one thing. So I've decided we're going to start with verse 28 here. He says, and I will give them eternal life. Now here, Cornelius Lapide says, the sheep of Christ are of two kinds. First, all Christians. And second, those alone who are predestined to glory. The words of Christ relate to the second class. And St. Augustine shows why they do not perish. For they are those sheep to whom it is said, the Lord, the Lord knoweth who are his. They are specially his sheep of Christ, none of whom perish. And yet of the former class, Christ also says, I give unto them eternal life. That is, as far as I may, I make them the promise. I give them all necessary helps. I wish for their salvation. If then any of them perish, it is not my fault, but theirs. For they will not cooperate with my grace. For neither the devil nor anyone else is able to pluck them out of my hand if they resolve to abide in it and will not be torn away. For my grace, if they cooperate with it, has power to keep them from being taken away. But if they leave me of their own will, it is not a tearing away, but their own voluntary act. Christ means to say that no power can take them away, but they have full liberty to go away from Christ. This is a big deal, what he's saying here, because this is a passage that the Protestants will use all the time to say, well, look, 
it clearly says that nobody can take you from the hand of Christ, who God has chosen. They, no one can take away. Not this, not that, not this or that. Nothing can take you away from it. This is true. Nothing can take you away from Christ. The only thing is yourself. You can walk away. No one can take you, but you, by your own free will, can stand up and turn your back on Christ. This is why it is always said that it is better, which is, you know, it's funny because even the uh, Greek philosophers like Aristotle knew this to be true. Aristotle would say that it is better to suffer evil than to do evil. Now, this is the same thing that we believe as Christians. It is better to suffer evil than to do evil. Because if you suffer evil, and what, is our, what does it say in Holy Scripture? It is better for you to suffer than to do what is wrong. Because we should not fear him who can kill the body, but instead fear those who can destroy our souls in Gehenna and give us eternal death. So those today, those around and, uh, who are alive, they can take away our body. They can take away our wealth. They could take away our health. All these things can be taken away from us, but they can never force you to sin. Because in order to sin, it has to be an act of the will. So this is a very, very important passage to keep in mind, especially when you're talking to your Protestant friends and family and let them know, yes, 100%, nobody can take you from the hand of God, who God has called. The sheep hear his voice. I agree 100%, 100%. But God has given us the grace to freely walk away from him, to freely reject him. That is our fault, and that cannot be said to be Christ's fault. For Christ gives us the sufficient grace to be saved. Christ gives each and every one of us the grace necessary to have salvation. So that is very important to keep in mind as well. Now, the last thing to note here is Cornelius Lapide says, I give unto them eternal life. That is, if they abide in faith and obedience to me. I give it in this world through grace by hope, and I will hereafter give it in glory. He invites the Jews by this promise to become his sheep and reproves them from refusing to do so. The faithful are in the hand that is under the protection and guardianship of Christ. This is signified by the hand whose ministers to the whole body. Now let's meditate upon this today, that our Lord can give us protection and guardianship should we only remain in his hand. How do we do that? By faith and obedience to him. We'll be right back with more. Hey, Donnie, what are the mysteries that we pray on the rosary? Glorious, luminous, joyful, and sorrowful. There you go. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Which of these is the most difficult for you to objectively believe? Jonah lived in a whale, Moses heard God's voice in a bush, Peter's authoritative declarations would be backed by heaven, or that Daniel survived the flames of fire? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the results. Most difficult was Jonah, then Daniel, then Moses. The easiest was Peter receiving authority to grant forgiveness. Secondly, the early church was tough. You see, that authority granted to Peter could put one out of the church due to sin, and that same authority was installed to bring one back into the church through personal confession. We understand that reconciliation with the church is inseparable from reconciliation with God. And thirdly, our Bibles are filled with promises, but this promise was to Peter, the apostles, and the generational successors of Peter known as the Catholic bishops. So here's an idea. Take a drive down your street, look up at a Catholic church, and just know this for a fact. That priest inside that church was ordained straight down through the lineage of St. Peter. Welcome back to Catholic Tribe Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, there was a lot of news they went through over the weekend. I wasn't looking at the news. I went to uh, California on Friday. I was there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I flew in. I actually landed at midnight on uh, yesterday, last night at midnight. So uh, the I'm running on like three hours of sleep, two hours of sleep, something around there. And I was trying to catch up on the news on my flight over, and there was so much going on. I didn't even know where to even begin to start, start recovering from uh, all the uh, all the things going on. It's kind of concerning, to be honest. Uh, this story, though, is very concerning, and I want to start here. And J.P. Morgan Chase, the nation's largest bank, acquires First Republic Bank after government takeover. Here's a summary of the story. J.P. Morgan Chase has acquired First Republic Bank after it collapsed due to turmoil in a financial sector. First Republic Bank mainly s- caters to wealthy clients and saw a decrease in deposits in recent weeks after Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank also failed. J.P. Morgan Chase will acquire all of First Republic Bank's billion in deposits and substantially all of its $229.1 billion in assets. And the offices will be open as branches of J.P. Morgan Chase. The FDIC will lose $13 billion as a result of First Republic Bank implosion, adding to the nearly $20 billion decrease from the failures of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. These numbers are so... So large, so massive, that it's kind of even hard to fathom that the what this even means. This is the, I believe this is right. Last time I checked, uh, this was right. This is the largest bank failures that we've ever seen. $20 billion lost. Like, this is very, very concerning. It's also concerning because... This also signifies that this is because everybody was talking about uh, the fact that this uh, the First Republic Bank might fail. And everybody reassured us that it was not going to fail. There was a lot of confidence in it. It was catering mostly to people who were very wealthy to begin with, people who had very good credit, people who were paying off their uh, their loans, people that were paying everything they needed to pay. Um, and yet the bank failed anyway. That's very concerning that that happened. And there is a lot of turmoil right now. I was listening to many commentators talk about this yesterday. And it seems to me that 
nobody knows what's going on. Everybody had a different take about what was happening, and nobody really understood what was happening. And the consensus basically is that we don't know where this ends. And what's the solution? <laughs> I have no idea. The solution uh, doesn't seem to be a there doesn't seem to be a clear cut solution to the problem. So I think that it was important to bring up this story so we can just be aware that this happened, um, because it seems that it didn't get as much traction and much news as when the first banks fell, Silicon Valley, the Signature Bank. Well, after those banks fell, everybody was talking about it. After this one, it didn't seem that not as many people seemed to care. But this is equally concerning, if not more concerning, because that shows that we're not out of the weeds yet. This means that there could be more turmoil to come. What's the solution? I don't know. I'm not a financial advisor. would never dare to give financial advice. Uh, but perhaps perhaps the, the solution is, is going back to gold, going back to silver. I have no idea. It's certainly concerning to see that our monetary system is absolutely broken and makes no sense whatsoever. But we would uh, definitely need to find a, a good economist to talk about this. But transitioning over to a different story, because I honestly don't have much else to say about, about that situation. The, the Lutheran pastor comes out and he pleads for an end to the attacks on Roman Catholic churches. The story caught my attention because it seems as though to me that this Lutheran pastor cares more about the attacks on the Catholic churches than most Catholic priests do. Now, here's a summary of the story. Since the unrest in many American cities in May of 2020, Catholic sites such as churches and schools have been vandalized by criminals, with more than 190 Catholic sites attacked. Did you know that happened? Did you know 190, more than 190 Catholic churches and churches associations, like schools and things like that, have been attacked? Was that on your radar at all? Not mine. Many people have, have not been talking about this. The Catholic Church is the most persecuted religion in the world. The Christian Church, generally speaking, is the most persecuted religion in the world, but specifically the Catholic Church in the world. And in the United States, it is massive, 190. So the so-called Reverend Graham Glover, a Lutheran pastor, is concerned about the ongoing attacks and calls for an end to the senseless destruction. The reason behind the attacks are not clear, but they seem to be an attempt to intimidate Catholics or to punish them for living out their beliefs. The so-called Reverend Glover reminds us that these attacks are a threat to all religions. An attack on any house of worship is an attack on all of them. The lack of attention from national news outlets and federal law enforcement agencies and the growing indifference among some individuals is also concerning. It's essential to understand that violence against any religion institution is never justified, and we need to stand united against such attacks. So the interesting thing to me is that this Lutheran pastor comes out, and I haven't heard many Catholic priests come out and talk about this issue. I have not really heard any Catholics to come out and condemn all these attacks against the Catholic churches across America. Yet a Lutheran pastor comes out and he condemns it. Now, obviously, he's condemning it. Clearly, he's saying, well, you know, attack on it. And one religion is attack on all of us, which is not really true. Uh, that's not true. You're never going to see attacks on 
these uh, Hindu temples or these Buddhist temples. You're not going to see attacks on the Satanic Church of America, all these different churches. The, uh, they're fake churches, so they're not going to be attacked because they, they support the revolution. They support the revolution, so they're not going to be attacked. Instead, it's going to be the true religions that are attacked. The true religion, meaning the Catholic faith. And that's why it's the primary church that's being attacked. But I'm glad that there are people out there who see the writing on the wall and recognize that anyone who holds to traditional beliefs will be condemned. It just seems like there's just a lack of courage among our prelates. I, I just don't understand why the, of the, the silence. I understand prudence is waiting for the opportunity to do something. It's not not doing anything at all. And I, I believe they're, they're scared. They're afraid of, of uh, defending the church because they might cross some woke line that, how dare you? You, you, you have, uh, it, you know, the, what's the word, the white accountability. So it's, it's sad that uh, we don't have more of our own pastors and our own bishops standing up and defending ourselves. Yes, there, there are lay groups. Thank you for going out and suing the FBI for not doing enough or not nothing at all. But uh, it's, it's our bishops. But uh, I truly believe that it's the age of the laity because we are we've just not we don't have we don't have a good we don't have good shepherds. Good Shepherd Sunday being this past weekend and, and Pope Francis really coming down hard on on pastors not being the good shepherd. And it is all around us. They, where, where are our shepherds? Where are the good shepherds? Where where is the courage um, among the, the, the prelates? It is up to us to stand up and defend ourselves, apparently. And, and we should take that mantle and move forward with it. Well, speaking of the laity, uh, Fox News actually put out a article here. The headline is Boston Satan Con Goers Shred Bible Pro Cop Flag During the Opening Ritual Hell Satan. One of the Satanist leaders also took a hammer to a keyboard. That's kind of random. And here's the story. A group of Satanists cheered as two leaders opened SatanCon 2023 on Friday with a formal ceremony renouncing symbols of oppression by ripping up a Bible and a thin blue line flag representing the police. We stand here today in defiance of their siege and destroy the symbols of oppression, a female leader told the crowd before ripping pages out of the Bible and throwing them on the floor, video showed. A male leader joined her in the tearing of then blue line flag in two, which they also tossed on the floor while the crowd cheered. Satanists in attendance later picked some of the ripped flags off the floor and posed with them for pictures. We must build true community outside of the virtual, the male leader also said before taking a hammer to a keyboard. Rebelling comes in many forms to each and their own within their own capability and then in their own situation. For some of us, merely existing one more day is victory. But for those of us who can, we must stand up for those who cannot. Satan Con is a sold-out three-day event which has been touted as the largest satanic gathering in history is being hosted this weekend, which was last weekend, at the Marriott Copley Place in Boston by the Satanic Temple. The event, which marks the temple's 10th 10-year anniversary, was dedicated to Democratic Boston Mayor Michelle Wu after the group wasn't allowed to deliver a Satanic invocation at a city council meeting in 2021. 
The temple claims to be a non-theistic religious organization that does not worship or believe in a personal Satan, personal Satan, rather aims to encourage benevolence and empathy, reject tyrannical authority, and advocate practical common sense, oppose injustice, and undertake noble pursuits. So my question is, can a, a, a group that is anti-religious fall under religious liberty? Can a group that is atheistic fall under religious liberty? It doesn't make any sense. It's absurd. It's an absurd. It's an oxymoron. Now, we were talking, I mentioned uh, why the, what this has to do with the, the rise of the lady, right? Well, who was there? The, my friends over at the TFP were actually there. Amen. Uh, so they brought a huge group out to the event, and they had a huge protest there. Praise be to God. In fact, uh, Fox News reports on this, and they put a picture of my friend Mr. Uh, Rex actually on. He's been on the show a couple times. Uh, Mr. Rex uh, is, is pictured in front and center on the article, and he's holding up a, a image of St. Michael the Archangel. Here the article says, The Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Boston called for intense prayer in response to the event, according to Catholic News Agency. We asked Catholics not to organize. Now, this is very, very disappointing, which is why we have the like we're talking about, the lady have to take up a job here. He said, we ask Catholics not to organize or encourage others to go to the event to protest. It will only make it more prominent and give the organizers the attention they seek. That is absurd. That is an absurd response from the archdiocese. Uh, they should definitely go out and protest. I'm so glad the TFP were there. But there was a massive response to, the, to calling of the uh, protest. Amen. And then afterwards, after the bishops came out and said, oh, don't come out there, a lot of the ladies said, oh, well, then I guess we won't come out there. And they did not go. This is a grave problem. The bishops, the priests, a lot of them don't want to stand up. They don't want to stand up, and they are afraid to be a public witness. And so that's our job. We're going to be having to be the ones to stand up. And as the Fulton Sheen said, it's going to be the lady who saves the church. So that's our job. That's what we're going to do. And speaking of the lady and fostering that, we're going to talk about that coming up right after this break. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. If Jesus brought two of the greatest Old Testament saints to meet with three of the greatest New Testament saints at the Mount of Transfiguration, can you say with any assurance that they were not alive, aware, and able to communicate? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Luke 9 says, quote, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Did you catch that? They were talking with Jesus. That means they have cognitive capability. Secondly, heavenly friends. Those in heaven long for your prayer requests. Their intercession far exceeds your best friend's prayers here on earth. Sorry to say that. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. Well, Oral Roberts University has the prayer tower. TVN has a prayer department. Your home church probably has a prayer hotline. Well, guess what? Heaven has a on-demand, pure, unselfish prayer warriors known as the great cloud of witnesses. They're waiting on you. I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. So I need help 
I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Tuesday, May 2nd, the year of our Lord, 2023. And these are your headlines for this morning. Catholic News Agency is reporting Archbishop of Military Services Timothy Brolio condemns new rule allowing abortion at VA medical centers. The Archbishop issued a scathing letter condemning the Senate and the Biden administration. The policy and rule now in effect are morally repugnant and incongruent with the gospel which the faithful are commissioned to share throughout the world, Brolio wrote. Brolio cited Pope Francis urging the Catholic faithful to refuse to participate in abortion. Alatea is reporting only 40% of Irish weddings were Catholic in 2022. Irish Catholic weddings surged with 2,655 more Catholic weddings in 2022 than 21, but still only rose by 1%. New data released by Ireland's Central Statistics Office has found that only two in five couples that married in 2022 chose to do so within the Catholic Church. While the portion of Catholic marriages on the Emerald Island was only seen to rise by 1%, the total number of Catholic marriages were thousands higher than last year. LiveSide is reporting Republican Texas Senator Ted Cruz and Representative Chip Roy sent a letter to a Texas hospital demanding answers about his facilitation of gender transitions with children as young as eight-year-olds and slamming the dangerous practice. And finally, Breitbart News reports Yellen sounds alarm on possible June 1st default if Biden Congress failed to pass a debt limit bill. Treasury Secretary Secretary Janet Yellen projected Monday that the U.S. could run out of cash to pay its bills as early as June June 1st. Yellen made the estimation in a letter to House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, writing that the nation would reach its debt ceiling by at least early June based on current data. So the answer, I guess, is more spending. Oh, well. I am Tito Edwards, and these are your headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. You know, I wanted to go back real quick to talk about some of the the issue of these public protests. It's very concerning. The, the bishops, the priests, they kind of have this adverse idea surrounding public protest. And it's very concerning because this is something that Catholics should do. This is something that has always been Catholic. How do I know this? Well, St. Louis de Mumford, he actually talks about public protest. During the time when there were great evils going on in France, he would talk about how Catholics should go out onto their balcony or in their front porch and pray the rosary in resistance against the evil that was happening in the streets. Now, this is uh, the way to fight against these evils because it's good to pray. So if you can pray in silence, of course, that's wonderful. Uh, how about you do both? How about you do both? There's no, nothing stopping people from going into the uh, silence of your room and praying in there. But it's also necessary to go out into the public sphere because it shows that Catholics are present and it also gives a true witness of Catholic fidelity. But most importantly, most importantly is the fact that we make reparation 
for the outrages and sins against our Lord and our Lady. And a public act of reparation is what's necessary for a public act of desecration of our Lord and our Lady. That's how the reason why I think it's important that we have these kind of public sphere, that we take up space in the public sphere. It's very, very important. But joining us right now is Julian Kwasniewski, and he's on to talk to us about his articles with Crisis Magazine. I highly recommend excellent articles. Uh, the two articles are the eight activities, uh, manly activities and eight feminine activities. Uh, go check that out on the uh, Crisis Magazine. Go check it out there, crisismagazine.com. But uh, good morning to you, Mr. Kwasniewski. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's very interesting. I was came across your articles and I was uh, reading them and I thought this was a, this is really really interesting. I, I read the uh, the one of course that came out first about the eight manly activities and I was uh, excited to read the eight feminine activities and the 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 analog to it. But I loved the thing that you brought up toward the end of the first article about the complementarity between the Renaissance woman and the Renaissance man. Uh, so let's start. Yes. Uh, let's start there, and then we can work backwards. Uh, talk about the complementarity of the uh, the men and women in culture. Yeah, of course. So, <clears throat> uh, one book that I uh, read recently uh, uh, that that touched on this um, that I'd like to recommend, actually, um, published by Tan Books a couple of years ago, called "The Meaning and Mystery of Man" by Devin Shatt. Um, and it's a biblical meditation on Adam and St. Joseph and Jesus Christ. Um, and while that didn't feed directly into uh, my thoughts on this article, I think he has a lot of really good things to say about the complementarity of men and women. And in, in my own writing here, in these two particular articles, um, it's important to think about, um, you know, the traditional gender roles, and that's what I'm doing here. And what what modern men and women can learn from the traditional gender roles and you know a lot of people are probably afraid of that sort of phrase today um you know even even within very conservative circles in the catholic church i think there's a lot of uh, sort of soft feminism um oftentimes with people out re without realizing it um and you know Every person, every man and woman, uh, we we have we come under many different influences, our formation, um, but helping people to see in their masculinity and femininity the ways they can be fulfilled and happy, that's very very important. And obviously, because people come from different backgrounds and because so much of the world today is saturated with feminism of one sort or another it's often difficult to talk about this without uh, coming across and, uh, and offending people. Um, but at the same time, what I'm really trying to get across in these two articles is something that Hiller Belloc, um, great Catholic writer, a friend of G.K. Chesterton, um, part of the great Catholic English literary movement at the turn of the century, in the 1900s, um, he has this really deep insight that I share, and he talks about how to be reasonably happy, uh, we have to look at what men and women have always done and, and, and have to give, give attention 
and importance to what uh, what other people have called the democracy of the dead. Um, how the fact that so many generations have gone before us, yes, human nature has fallen. We've always been ma making mistakes. We've always been falling into similar patterns of sin, but we have also always been figuring things out right. And there's also always been things that men have done that are a natural expression of their natures and uh, and of what they're ordered to do. And this is true for men and women. And it's to a large extent, if not always, uh, I think indicated by some of the traditional gender roles. Yeah, I think- And the reason good. why- Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna uh, say, and the reason why, um, you know, there's the complementarity of men and women in these in these roles is because traditionally, there was in many different cultures a deeper understanding of the difference of men and women and a deeper realization and accommodation of each sex's strengths and weaknesses. No, yeah, I think that's uh, incredibly important. And something that caught my, my mind when you were speaking was the question of how having the, the feminine and masculine roles is conducive to happiness. And I think that's very interesting because I know of some some very good Catholic women um, that are dedicated to their careers. And it kind of makes me sad a little bit. And may I know people will disagree severely with me, but I, it makes me sad because I see and I'm like, I'm so I'm, I'm glad that you're you're doing what you, you think you want to do. I'm glad that you're successful in your career. But at the end of the day, is this going to make you happy? Is this going to be a long-term happiness for you? Because they would say things like, yeah, I would love to have kids, but but later, but later. And like that means, okay, what does that mean? Uh, when does that mean? And so let's start there for a second. We're about to go to our break in about a minute and a half. In that minute and a half, uh, could you tell me what you mean when you say happiness? Yeah, so Hiller Belloc uh, talks about happiness in two senses, and I'm I'm sort of picking up on that. Obviously, there's the ultimate happiness that the soul seeks uh, and will only ever find in God, and then there's a more natural happiness that uh, can be united with uh, spiritual good uh, and and the Catholic faith, but is also more of a simply speaking natural thing. So you could say even pagans living an ordered life with a lot of uh, natural goods can have this sort of happiness. And I think it's really important in the Christian context to recognize these two different levels of happiness. Obviously, we don't seek in material things the happiness that only God can give to us. Um, but at the same time, we also need to recognize the legitimate desire for a certain contentment on earth. And the, one of the main points of these articles is that that contentment in natural goods um, is only possible when we are, are doing things that are naturally conducive to our natures as men and women. Amen. Amen. Uh, when we come back, we'll pick up right on this topic. So we'll be back in just one moment. So don't go anywhere. More on the eight manly and feminine virtues after this. 
this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Haven't you honestly wondered, why do all the different denominations break away from each other? Timeline, 1500s, Luther breaks from the Catholic Church. 16th century, John Knox is influenced by Calvin, breaks from Luther, thus the Presbyterians. 17th century, John Smith then breaks away and starts the Baptist. 18th century, Wesley breaks and starts the Methodist. Even crazier are all the scores of non-denominational individuals who break from each other, generally due to cosmic ego and, quote, a new revelation. Well, here's the three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Judges 21 says, quote, in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which is right in his own eyes. Secondly, physics. Once the dam breaks, water goes where it will. Luther broke canon law 331, which says about the Pope, by virtue of his office, he possesses supreme, full, immediate, and universal ordinary power in the church. And thirdly, my take. Gifted theologians can be just like my fourth grade friend who said, I'm taking my bat and ball and going home. Hey, Donnie, when we see Christ on the cross, what do we call that? A crucifix. And who said, preach Christ and Him crucified? St. Paul. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be God. We were just talking about happiness a second ago. And, you know, I was reading what St. Thomas had to say about happiness in the Summa Contradentiles. He says, man's ultimate happiness consists in the contemplation of truth, for this operation is specific to man and is shared with no other animals. Also, it is not directed to any other end since contemplation of truth is sought for its own sake. In addition, in this operation, man is united to higher beings since it is not only human operation that is carried out both by God and by the separate substances. Now, he's talking about angels there. He's saying the difference between humans and, and angels. But, you know, it's interesting reading that. It kind of makes me think about the list that you made, Mr. Julian Kwasniewski, because those uh, the things on the list that you made about the eight manly virtues let me uh, go through them real quick before we we move forward uh, have, of hunting shooting drinking boating dancing singing handcrafts and hearing mass and i i like how hearing mass is uh, common to both uh, the men and the women uh, but for the women textile arts beautifying contained spaces beautifying themselves cooking dancing singing handcrafts and hearing mass i think that those things, even the ones that are lower in terms of like um, textile arts, beautifying contained space, hunting, those kind of things, are geared towards a lifting of the mind toward a higher thing versus something like playing video games, which, I mean, there's nothing wrong with playing video games in moderation, but that doesn't really lift your mind to higher things. Uh, what are your thoughts about St. Thomas's definition of happiness in relation to uh, doing practical and things that are just that seem to be seemingly are just hobbies yeah so what really struck me there when you were reading that quote from saint thomas is that um he's talking about it, it's leading to the truth um and what you mentioned there just about video games as compared to other like handcrafts is all these activities are putting us in touch with the real um they are putting us in touch with truth about the natural created world and about ourselves so when we go hunting and we come into contact with nature, we have to wait, we're cold. And then 
hey, you do get an animal, right? Then you're gutting it. Um, you're coming into contact with nature, gritty and real and bloody and hot and cold and windy and wet. And if you're doing woodworking or something like that, your hands are coming straight into contact with the truth of reality, of God's creation. Um, and being in touch with the real like that um, forces one and reveals one to see truths about oneself, um, to see that we're not invincible. Um, we can't, you know, we don't have endless strength. Uh, that's one thing, uh, that we have to be patient, that things don't go as fast as we like. In our digital age, we love having instant gratification. Amazon can deliver packages to us anytime we want. We can get anything we want on the internet. We can look things up on our phones whenever we want. Um, that isn't the way reality works. Mm -hmm. We have to be patient. No, yeah, that's, um, that's exactly right. And, you know, it's kind of, I, I love what you said about being in touch with the with the real Right, getting your hands is, is touching something that is that is uh, concrete, and it kind of reminds me of the fact where many many people will say it's very common among young people today, saying things like "nature is my church" and things like that. And there is an element to that that they're kind of reaching towards that is actually true, but it's a it's a glimpse of what is the with the reality of it. And it re recently came. To a head, I was talking to a friend of mine, and they had said, you know, I used to be really depressed, and then I started going out into nature and doing hikes, and I felt much better. Uh, but, you know, I still get stressed, and then I have to go out into nature, and I feel better. And I said, I kind of made the comment, you know, that's good. That's I'm, I'm glad that's happening, and I think that's something that's right that you should do. Um, however, it, you notice that you get stressed and you get caught up when you're in the world and you go back out to nature and you kind of feel calm, this isn't to say that you should just stay in nature, but instead that the calm of nature is, is temporary, but the calm of God stays with you in all the tasks that you do. Uh, could you, what are your thoughts about that kind of uh, tendency among young people today to say things like, oh, nature is my church? So uh, in my life, I've been fairly connected to Wyoming Catholic College, um, which is, is somewhat famous for having a pretty strict technology policy for its students. Um, and they're not allowed to have smartphones on campus. They pretty much check them in at the beginning of the semester and then they're free to be able to have real conversations and interactions with their fellow students and professors. And they do a fair amount of outdoor activities and things like that. And <clears throat> what I've seen there is, is something that I you know highly recommend in some of my other articles as well, which is you know really taking a distance from technology. And that is one way that we can bring some of the peace of nature that young people are finding back into our regular everyday life. And it is something that the philosopher and author John Senior um, recognized. I just wrote an article about him on 1 Peter 5, so look that up if you're interested. Um, he really, uh, in the 1970s, um, really developed this idea that modern man was so out of touch with nature and the real that they couldn't even make sense of logical arguments anymore like those of thomas and aquinas uh sorry thomas aquinas and augustine and other great authors because 
being so far away from reality, which those authors were drawing upon in their writings, they couldn't they couldn't connect anymore. And there was this fundamental need to reconnect with nature and with the real before they could even go on to the next logical intellectual step of discovering the faith. And so my recommendation, which I see based on, you know, friends and, and people who uh, feel burdened by modern life in the world um, is taking a step away from technology. And that can be one step to bringing balance to every part of your life by making the whole of it a little bit more closer to nature. You see a lot of people who, who are into the sort of homesteading, um, returning to the land a bit uh, movement, or even something smaller like just having chickens in your backyard. All of these are things that slow us down a little bit and put us more in touch with the real and can bring the harmony that some people experience in you know in the wilderness into our daily lives now and some people might be saying well now julian i i think these are all really great however i never learned how to hunt i never learned how to shoot i never learned how to how to go boating or i don't have no i don't know how to dance i don't know how to sing i don't know how to sew you're telling me to do all these things and I have no idea how to do it. My parents don't know how to do it. So what do I do? Do I go to YouTube University or what's, what is the strategy here for actually being able to do the things that you say would be conducive towards my happiness? Yeah, so I mean, a lot of these things are actually simpler than they sound and they can be intimidating, especially in the modern world when you might know very few people who have done any of these things like shooting. You know, I didn't grow up around guns um, or hunting, um, but I had I had some friends who introduced me to it and it was a lot simpler and less scary than, you know, I, I thought for a long time. Um, there are clubs, there are websites, um, there are, you know, usually somebody at your parish who's gonna be into one of these things or another of them that you can approach um, you know, even even at, you know, outdoor goods stores, if you're looking at buying a canoe or a gun or something, those people are tend to be knowledgeable and helpful and can put you on the right tracks of where where to go for more information. And something, you know, boating, people might think of sailing a schooner or something like that, which is pretty complicated. You need to get certifications, navigation, all that sort of stuff. That's not that, you know, that's ocean. That's ocean or really big lake stuff. I'm talking more about entry level things like kayaking and canoeing, you can just go to a lake that has rental canoes and it's it's very intuitive. Um, you're not doing anything really super dangerous. You have a life vest. Canoe is easy to learn how to navigate and uh, and paddle. And, and then you're in it, you've done it once or twice and you're starting to get the hang of it. And you do it with a few friends and wow, now you have a new leisure activity that isn't screen-based. So with all of these things, I guess I just say, yes, we live in a time when there is an incredible lack of continuity and no one is passing these things on to us, but that doesn't mean that we can't learn them. And that doesn't mean that they aren't actually some of them easier than we think. Amen. Amen. Yeah. The, it is interesting. I, I know personally, I, I would, I really want to learn how to do handcrafts especially like uh woodworking i want to learn how to do woodworking but that's uh it's a very niche thing so i'm trying to find somebody 
and knows how to do it that I could just cling to and be like, hey, can I just be your apprentice? That'd be that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, so that, things like that, I think it's, it's so such a lost art. The good news is a lot for the for the ladies, the textile arts and things like that. Usually their their grandmothers know how to do those kind of things, if not their mothers. And so they could easily learn from from family in that sense. My my little sister is currently learning how to uh, to sew, and she just sewed her first uh, skirt. So she's wearing her own made her own skirt, which is a very very cool. So these things are things that are in fact possible. You can learn it, and I think that's uh, very encouraging. Uh, last question, uh, Mr. Kwasniewski. Where can people find uh, the, uh, more information about you, get connected with you, and what do you have in the works to be coming out? Is there going to be a final article uniting these two? Yeah, so I, I'm i a musician, writer, graphic designer. Um, you can find a lot of my writings on Crisis Magazine and 1 Peter 5. They're the places I write for most regularly, but I also write for some other places like Catholic World Report, Catholic Herald. Um you can also find some of my music on YouTube and some of my art on Etsy. And I definitely have more articles in the works. Um, I'm actually hoping uh, this summer to follow up and devote some specific shorter articles to some of these individual activities. So I'm really looking forward to resuming uh, canoeing this summer. Um, and once I do that, I'm going to uh, probably devote an article to boating and talk about what I mentioned there, how you really have fairly easy entry level um, boating opportunities that don't require tons of expertise and money. Um, and uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, praise be to God. And so make sure y'all are uh, synced up with Crisis Magazine and 1 Peter 5 so y'all can see those articles as they come out. And I, I personally hear that this is a, a series of articles that's going to end up being a book in like a year or two. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, but uh, God bless you, Mr. Julian Kwasniewski. We'll have to have you back. Uh, God bless you and God love you. Thank you very much. I, I enjoyed being here. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, that's going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. Uh, stay with us for the second hour. We're going to talk about the subtum. We're going to talk about that beautiful prayer, a very ancient prayer. Have you heard of this prayer? We're going to talk about it coming up right after this break. And then we have our Fear and Trembling Game Show where you can win prizes. So stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss one second of Catholic Drive Time. But if not, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you soon. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. You're crazy! Deep within, we struggle. Come on, babe. It'll be fun. Because sin separates us from God. She's got a relationship, George. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. This is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's hearts, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the epistles, nor the apostolic and early church fathers ever wrote anything like 
like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching of the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. Listening to Catholic Radio and getting excited about learning about your Catholic faith can be, well, infectious. I converted uh, in my 20s to a Protestant, and uh, this is the first time I've heard Catholic Radio. I've been listening to it for a couple hours driving. First time I've ever heard Catholics actually excited about what they believe. I'm going to tell you what, this has been uh, one of the greatest two hours that I've had in a while. And a special thank you to our donors for keeping Catholic Radio on the air. Thank you, and may God bless you. Celebrating the culture of life. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Omar. And I'm Natalia. And we attend Our Lady of Walsingham Parish. Thank you for listening to Catholic Radio on KSHJ 1430 AM. On the Guadalupe Radio Network throughout the Metro Houston area. Wonderful, wonderful time. You know, we're praying this every in the morning, we're praying the Subtum. You may have never heard of the Subtum before. It's a very beautiful prayer. I love it. I love it. And, you know, we actually would pray the Subtum uh, during the, with the same, um, with the Dominican Friars is kind of when I learned how to pray it in Latin. I, I've heard of the Subtum before joining the Dominican Friars when I was in, before I joined the novitiate. And, but I never really kind of thought about it too much. I knew that it was uh, an old prayer dedicated to Our Lady. But after we started learning to chant the Subtum, it became something that was very, that was much more impactful. I think that's very serious. And I just thought it was so wonderful. So I want to share with you a little bit about the the history of the subtomb. I'm curious, Adrian, when, was that following a meal or first thing you wake up in the morning or before entering a room when you prayed the subtomb? It was just a chant we learned. Okay, so yeah. no particular time of day. No, we okay. just prayed it at different times. Um, but yeah, the, the prayer is is a beautiful prayer. That I mean, there's no there's no context to when and where you should pray it. You can pray it anytime, anywhere. Um, so here is an article on the Subtum. Uh, many might think that the oldest prayer to Our Lady is the Hail Mary. However, however, another ancient prayer to Our Lady claims this honor. It's titled the Subtum Presidium, or translated as "We Fly to Thy Patronage." It is true that the first part of the Hail Mary was spoken to Our Lady by the angel Gabriel and recorded in the Gospel of St. Luke. Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. The phrase, blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, was spoken by Elizabeth. And it was only put over together in later centuries. But the Subtuum Presidium is considered the most ancient, complete prayer to Our Lady. Today, many Catholics, especially laity, are unfamiliar with the prayer, despite the fact that it had been prayed in its present form from the earliest centuries of the Church. 
The ancient origin of, my, of the prayer was confirmed in the early 20th century by a papyrus found in Egypt with the words of this prayer. The papyrus dated back to the early centuries after Christ. Now, the debate on how early it is is present. Like, there's people who say, oh, well, it was this late, so this late. But we know for sure, we know for sure that it was at least around during the 200, around 250 AD, because that's when the papyrus dates back to. But it was probably written even earlier than that. So when people, when the Protestants will talk about not praying to Our Lady and these kind of things, well, you have to condemn the third century, because as early as the third century, there was already prayers dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And this prayer was in Greek, and then the Ambrosian text had it in Latin, and it was there in the church. So this, say, this prayer is prayed both by the East and the West. The East always prayed it in Greek, and the West always prayed it in Latin. And it's a very, very beautiful prayer. Now, let me say the prayer for you guys. We'll pray it together, and we'll talk a little bit about the actual text itself. And I'll pray it in Latin, and then we'll pray it in English. And it's interesting, I, the Ambrosian text is slightly different, so we're going to pray the Roman text, because I think 99% of us are Roman Catholics, and so we'll pray the Latin text in the Roman version, and then I'll give the English translation to it. But let's, let's pray. We'll pray together. We'll offer this prayer to the Blessed Virgin. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Subtuum presidium confugimus, sancta dei genitrix, nostras deprecationes, Ne despicias in necitatibus, sera periculis cuntis, libreno semper virgo gloriosa et benedicta. Under your patronage we take refuge, Holy Mother of God. Our petitions do not despise in necessities, but of all dangers deliver us always, glorious Virgin and blessed. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's a very beautiful prayer. It's a very beautiful prayer, and you think about it. The third century, we're saying, most holy mother of God, save us, right? And in this prayer, you're referring to the Blessed Virgin as the mother of God. So we see in the third century, because we have to remember, the law of prayer is a law of belief, is a law of how you live your life. And so if you pray... Oh, Holy Mother of God, fly to our patronage. Well, then what are we also saying? We are affirming the doctrine of the Theotokos, of the God-bearer, of the Mother of God. Now, it's a very, very true thing, but it's something that is confirmed in our prayers and that we recognize because we say it. Now, it's interesting because I, I learned it with the Dominicans. The Dominicans actually don't have the um, the last bit there where it says uh, benedictu um, blessed and and glorious instead it says just blessed which i thought was kind of interesting and i don't know i don't know the history behind that i have to go find a somebody who's an expert on liturgical music which actually julian kwashnevsky is an expert on liturgical music maybe i should ask him that question but it's interesting because the dominican version just says benedicta and not Virgo Gloriosa et Benedicta. So 
glorious and blessed virgin. Instead, the Dominican version just says blessed virgin. I think that's interesting. I, so I don't, I'm not 100% certain why that is. But this hymn has been prayed and it's set to tons of different tunes. So if you look up the subtune, you can learn it. And I highly recommend learning. It's very, very simple, very simple prayer. And anyone can learn it. It's There are more complicated versions of it. People have put it to polyphony. People have put it to many different things. It's prayed in the medieval office dedicated to Our Lady. It was prayed at the Our Lady of Sorrows, the feast, her feast day then. So all these different things, it was, it was prayed in these different contexts. And you can pray it whenever. And I found myself praying this prayer all the time now. After learning it, it became something that is, it became very normal for me to just pray throughout the day. And I kind of like the, the there's an English translation that is more, oh, let's say poetic. And it's, it's, it's the title of the prayer and uh, it's, it's put to music. It's a polyphonic. It's to you. And this prayer is something that we would sing as a community. And I thought it was absolutely beautiful in the way it goes. And so the prayer says, and it's it's the subtuum, but you're it's not a direct translation. Like I said, it's more poetic, so it takes a little bit of liberties, but I, I really love this prayer. So it goes, to you do we come. Let me see if I can remember it without uh, without singing it. To you do we come. Um, no, I can't remember it by just uh, by not without singing it. I don't want to sing it either. Uh, my, my voice is just like destroyed right now. So that would be a horrible situation to try to try to sing it. But um, what do you think about? Have you have you do you know the prayer sub to the subtuum uh, Tito? No, I haven't memorized it. There's I have a long laundry list of prayers that I want to. But have you heard of it before though? What's that? But have you heard of it before? Yes, I've heard I've heard of the subtuum, but I didn't know there were multiple variations of it, and so that's just beautiful. The the depth of the 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 prayer life of of the Catholic Church is just incredible. Uh, but I like the Latin more than I do the English. Yeah, the English doesn't have a great poetry to it, which is uh, why the the version that we would sing in English is not quite technically the subtune. <laughs> it, it's 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 so different that it's like you're like, oh, I don't know if it can really be called the same prayer because it's it is very very different. But in the prayer, it's just um, it's just so beautiful because. You just think about Our Lady and how she's there to to help us. And there's this kind of the saying, you know, Our Lady wrap herself, wrap us in your mantle, right? Yeah. And that's, that has that very, that same kind of connotation. I like how you, you mentioned earlier in your discourse on, on this uh, subtuum, how the Protestants want to say that, well, it was a late development of, of singing prayers to, to Mary. Mary is just uh, another... Uh, a barnacle on the boat, and uh, it's as old as the third century, right? Or four, three uh, hundred. Third century, yeah. Third century, two two fifties. Yeah. So that is a testament to how how old our faith is. I'm curious to know: is it even older than that? It uh, probably is. My guess is that it probably dates from like 
the first, second, first, second century, because I mean, if if we just found a small piece of papyrus, like that means it was that probably wasn't the original papyrus that yeah. the person wrote it on. It had to be at least a little bit older than that. Um, Where so was it know. found? Papyrus. I'm I'm thinking I think it's Egypt. Egypt. Yeah, I think oh. it's Egypt. So because I I know they started the in in Ephesus and in Jerusalem immediately they started um, honoring Mary. So. That distance from from Jerusalem to Egypt, I'm I'm assuming Alexandria, Egypt, uh, or thereabouts. That that's uh, a month's journey at the most, maybe a couple of weeks. So, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was that early uh, within the first century. I, I mean, when Mount Vesuvius blew up in the, f- I, I can't remember exactly which century it was, a second or third, maybe the first. And and they started uncovering all the debris late in the 20th century. They mm-hmm. found an image of the cross mm. already. So to imagine that uh, it had to go halfway through the Mediterranean, the 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 the, the way the Christians arriving to Vesuvius. Very to, true. Yeah. So ima- the, the, that's even shorter distance down to Alexandria. So it could be older than that. Absolutely. Now, here's uh, the Dominican sisters singing the, the subtum, the English translation. I'll pop it, pause it there, but the honestly, it's low key. It sounds better with the the men voices because the the baritone, the uh-huh. bass with it, because they have a the bass singing in that low part, and you're just like, ooh, that sounds so good. But yeah, that it's it's so beautiful. It's that she says in the song, you say, you pray, do not turn away or despise my prayers, but be pleased to hear this plea, entreat your son, our God. To save our souls. Now, obviously, this sounds nothing like the subtune, but it's basically the same. It's the same idea. But the other thing that's interesting about it is the phrase, we fly to thy patronage. Because it's not saying we go to, we fly to, which implies a hastiness. Yep. And we run to Our Lady. We go there without haste. It's the first thing we do in danger. In a situation when we are caught up, we fly, we run to the Blessed Virgin Mary, we throw ourselves to her, and we beg her, remember, O Most Gracious Virgin Mary, to protect us, to implore us, to help us. And it's a beautiful thing. And so in the prayer it says, uh, to you do we come seeking mercy, because Our Lady is the Queen of Mercy. She... You know, it's said that uh, it's kind of a joke among um, in families. It's like, oh, the father is the head, but the mother is the neck and turns the father's <laughs> wherever he does, wherever she desires. And there's a, kind of a truth to that when it, in regards to Our Lady, where you know, God is God, of course. But by the virtue which God granted to Our Lady, she directs his grace. She directs his mercy. And so we fly, fly to her and beg her for her help in all dangers. So anyway, we're going to be praying the, the Subtuum all year long, or all month long. We pray it during the month of May. 
So maybe we'll learn it together. But that's going to do it for today. We're going to jump into our game show, Fear and Trembling. So hop on to the call, 877-757-9424. We're going to give out a prize, a book from Catholic Answers, I think. The call in now, 877-757-9424-877-757-9424. We'll be right back right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to learn about a great Catholic saint. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the lives of the saints? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, onto praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. Donnie, name four of the seven sacraments. Baptism, confession. That's right, reconciliation. Communion and confirmation. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424-877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could win. All you have to do is be the first caller. We always take the first caller. You may be asking, well, how is it that we, in fact, go through and do this game. I'm just tuning in, and I have no idea what's going on here. Well, it's very, very simple. I have three Catholic trivia questions, but the good news is I'm not going to ask you the questions. In fact, I'm going to ask Tito the questions. He's going to give me an answer. It's your job to tell me whether or not he's right or whether or not he's wrong. That's going to be, you're going to have 15 seconds on the clock to guess whether or not he is right or wrong, and that means you're going to have a 50-50 chance for each and every question And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tito, what could they win? 
They could win the Fear and Trembling Prize for this week is Carlo Broussard's new book, The New Relativism, Unmasking the Philosophy of Today's Woke Moralists. Noel Merring, the author of Awake, Not Awoke, says about the new book, Carlo Broussard does the important and foundational work of refuting wokeism without polemics or ridicule, but with the simple conviction that we are made for truth. In a time of much coercion and confusion, the new relativism is a clarifying and compelling read by Catholic Answers. Well, thank you very much to Catholic Answers for sponsoring this week's game show. Now, uh, joining us right now is Carolina. Carolina? Is it Carolina or Carolina? Uh, from Dallas, Fort Worth area. Good morning to you, Carolina. Is that how you pronounce your name? Carolina, you're on. Carolina, can you hear us? Are you hearing uh, our... Can you hear us, Carolina? Hello? There you go. Oh, hi. Hi, Carolina. Welcome to the game, the Fear and Trembling Game Show. Adrian will be with you in a moment, but uh, we're going get, to get you ready. You ready? Thank you. Okay. Yes, I'm ready. Here's good, Adrian. Good morning, Carolina. Where, uh, you're calling from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Praise be to God. I'm good. It's good to be here. How are you doing? I'm very good. Thank you. Praise be to God. That's wonderful. Uh, where are you off to this morning? I'm driving the kids to school. Awesome. Good morning to uh, to the kids then. Good morning to y'all. Uh, do me a favor, Carolina, and can you turn your radio down? I can hear myself in the in the back there, but uh, good morning to the kids. I'm glad that they're off to school. They're going to be, I'm sure that uh, they're uh, all geniuses. They're all going to be uh, little Einsteins, I'm sure. Uh, what the, your, your kids, how many is it there? What's the age range there? The high school, middle school, elementary school? Um, middle school, 13, um, elementary, 9, and there is a baby in the car. Um, nice. Seven months. And yeah. the and the baby's already in college. You're saying? Um. <laughs> not quite. Not quite yet. Next not year. Quite, next year. Next, next year. Yeah. And then and then then they go into the workforce. Is what you're saying? Yes, sir. <laughs> then they're uh, they have to bring home some bacon. Bring home the money to uh, help pay for for the work there. And the kids are in like, no, 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 don't send us to school. Don't send us to work. I'll go to school. I'll go to school. Uh, but praise be to God. Are y'all <laughs> familiar with how the game works? Um, yes, we are. Perfect, perfect. Then y'all know that Tito can be a little tricky, so you're going to want to listen carefully to how uh, Tito answers the question. But are y'all ready to play the game? I am. Then let's jump we into are. it. Let's jump into it. Question number one, Tito. I'm here. The question is, in the prayer to the Holy Ghost... What are the next five words after, and you shall renew, blank? I'm so, these questions are just spot on uh, with a few things that I know that I've memorized. And you shall renew the face of the earth. Okay. Yes. You're saying there's a prayer to the Holy Ghost that says, and you shall renew. And you're saying the other words to it are... The face of the earth. Yes, sir. Hmm, interesting. Sounds made up to me, but okay, okay, we'll go with it. We'll go with it. All righty, Carolina and the kids. 
15 seconds on the clock. The question is, in the prayer to the Holy Ghost, what are the next five words after, and you shall renew blank? And Tito says, the face of the earth. What say you, Carolina and kids? Um, he's correct. He's correct, she says. Praise be to God. You nailed it. You got the answer right. Easy peasy. Now, uh, could you do me a favor and turn that radio down? I can hear the, that in the background there. But praise be to God, y'all nailed it. Um, the, the prayer in school, I believe it's uh, Psalm 104. It says, uh, send forth your spirit and they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. So you nailed it, Carolina. The, y'all, I'm sure you already knew that. I didn't need to tell you. Um, but I actually know that it's the uh, the baby in the in the car who gave her the answer. Uh, she's cheating there. I just okay. I can feel it. I can feel it. Mm-hmm. Probably but, her uh, first words too. Yeah, I know. She was like, I I heard in the background the the baby yell out uh, the face of the earth, and I was like, oh, <laughs> she knew it. Crazy. Yeah, she's a she's a smart baby. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. She's she's a holy baby. Uh, are you ready yes. for question number two? Um, we are. All right, let's do it, Tito. Let's, let's go. Let's do this. Uh, question number two. The question on the board is, how many articles of faith are listed in the Apostles' Creed? My goodness gracious. Uh, this one, I have not committed to memory. I remember seeing something like this in the catechism, the, the, the green book, the catechism of the Catholic Church, the one that came out in the nine, early 90s. Um, uh, I'll go with the lucky number seven. The lucky number seven, you say? Yes, seven. Okay, if you say so. Uh, Carolina, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is how many articles of faith are listed in the Apostles' Creed? Tito seems to think the answer is seven. What say you, Carolina, and the geniuses in the car with you? Uh, we'll say um, false. They're going to say false. Way to go. <laughs> See, I, she, Carolina was over there hesitating, but the, the kids were giving her the right answer. They're like, it's, it's obviously I'm it's impressed. false, Mom. Obviously, and Mom was like, oh, I don't know if I trust these kids. Uh, but they knew it. The kids knew it. I could tell. I could tell. The correct answer is, in fact, 12. There are 12 articles of the creed. Each article was written by one of the apostles. So there you go. Fun fact. For I'm the day. impressed. There you go. <laughs> but way to go, Carolina. You are rocking it. The kids are rocking it. I am very impressed with y'all. Y'all are all a bunch of uh, geniuses in my book. That's what, that's what I say. Real geniuses. Well, Carolina, are you ready for question numero trace? Yes, we are. All right. This question, I'm looking at it, might be the hardest question we've ever had in the history of Catholic Drive Time, so stay tuned. So stay tuned. All righty, Tito. Question numero trace. Trace. Swahili, I believe. Uh, Actually, Vietnamese. Vietnamese? Yes, Vietnamese. Uh, It's okay. It's, It's commonly mistaken. But the question on the board is, a member of a monastic order is called what? Called what? A member of the monastic order is called what? Uh, let's see. A brother, a, a, a father, a priest, monastic, monastic, mon, mon, monk. It's called a monk. 
You're going to go with Monk. I'm going with Monk. Not like, Monk Seal, but a Monk. Like like Adrian Monk from the a- TV show Monk. Yes. Though I've never heard of it or watched it, but yes. Have you never seen Monk? The, the guy, the he's like... He's the a taxi de- cab driver? No, he's a detective. He's a detective. Detec- detective oh. Adrian Monk. Um, no. Oh, okay. Never mind. Never so mind. Much We're not, to watch. We, won't, we won't go through that. We won't go through that. <laughs> All righty, Carolina. The question on the board is a member of a monastic order is called this. Tito says a monk, but the A doesn't stand for Adrian, apparently. It's not Adrian Monk. It's just a monk. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Carolina and kids, what say you? Is he right or is he wrong? He's correct. 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 Hey, I heard I heard the answer from one of the kids. They were jumping in there like, hey, I hey, heard hey, that confirmation. I know the answer. Mom, I wanted to give the answer. It's all right. Y'all guys rocked it. Praise be to God. Y'all got a three for three. Congratulations. Yes. How do y'all feel? Thank you. Um, I feel good. It wasn't that hard. No, it wasn't. Was wow, it wasn't that hard. See, they were like they they took on the <laughs> hardest question. They were like, "Easy peasy." What are you talking oh, about? Oh goodness second, gracious! Uh, uh, second question. We were a little uh, com- um, we weren't sure about that, but uh, we have to guess on question two. Well, but the other two, we were pretty sure about it. Because y'all are praying to the Holy Ghost, they inspired you. And the second mm-hmm. question, I get the right answer. That's my that's my take on Good it. That's job, how I'm kids. interpreting the situation. But y'all rocked it. Praise be to God. Uh, make sure that y'all stay on the line. We need to get your contact information. Uh, but God bless okay. y'all and God love you. And thanks for calling in this morning. Thank you. God bless you. Absolutely, absolutely. And y'all have a blessed day at school. I hope y'all uh, go in and y'all tell everybody that y'all know there's 12 articles of the creed. And that each one was written by one of the apostles. You can let everybody know at school that today. But God bless you. I'm going to put you on hold. And Tito's going to get your contact information in just one moment. So God bless you and God love you and have a great day. Have a great day. Thank you. And that's going to do it for the first hour or the second hour of Catholic Drive Time. We're going to hop on to our after show where you can join us. and We can talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. I'm going to talk about my trip to California. I had some crazy stories while I was there. I'm going to share with y'all during the after show. And y'all can join us. Hop on YouTube, Rumble, Facebook, Odyssey. Or if you can't, then we'll see you back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you soon. And remember, Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. St. Athanasius, this morning's Mass is being offered for all of our online viewers and for those joining us 
via Guadalupe Radio Media. Ye watchers and ye holy ones, bright seraphs, cherubim, and thrones, raise the glad strain, alleluia. Cry out, dominions, princedoms, powers, virtues, archangels, angel choirs, alleluia. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, who raised up the Bishop St. Athanasius as an outstanding champion of your Son's divinity, mercifully grant that rejoicing in his teaching and his protection we may never cease to grow in knowledge and love of you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Those who had been scattered by the persecution that arose because of Stephen went as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but Jews. There were some Cypriots and Cyrenians among them, however, who came to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks as well, proclaiming the Lord Jesus. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The news about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to go to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, he rejoiced and encouraged them all to remain faithful to the Lord in firmness of heart, for he was a good man, filled with the Holy Spirit and faith. And a large number of people was added to the Lord. Then he went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a large number of people and it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. The word of the Lord. 
All you nations, praise the Lord. All you nations, praise the Lord. His foundation upon the holy mountains the Lord loves, the gates of Zion more than any dwelling of Jacob. Glorious things are said of you, O city of God. All you nations, praise the Lord. I tell of Egypt and Babylon, among those who know the Lord, of Philistia, Tyre, Ethiopia. This man was born there, and of Zion they shall say, One and all were born in her, and he who has established her is the Most High Lord. All you nations, praise the Lord. They shall note when the peoples are enrolled, This man was born there, and all shall dance in their festive dance. My home is within you. All you nations, praise the Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. My sheep hear my voice, says the Lord. I know them and they follow me. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. The feast of the dedication was taking place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus walked about in the temple area on the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify to me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can take them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can take them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. In the Gospel of John, sometimes John gives us little details that are kind of setting a scene or giving a context. And today we're told that the Feast of the Dedication was taking place in Jerusalem. The Feast of the Dedication for the Jews was really celebrating the renewal of worship by Judas Maccabeus back in the year 164 BC after the temple had been profaned. It had to be reconsecrated and worship had to be renewed. And this is what gave origin to what today we call the feast, or what Jews call Hanukkah, or the Festival of Lights. In this context, when Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees about what his mission is and what he's come to do and how the Father has sent him to lead the flock to salvation, there's a context that Jesus ultimately is going to be the one who is truly going to renew worship. And rather than sacrificing an unblemished lamb on the altar as an animal sacrifice to God, now Jesus himself in renewing worship is going to become himself the innocent lamb who offers himself to the Father 
for the reconciliation of mankind to God and for our redemption. In other words, Jesus himself is going to be the renewal of the temple and Jesus himself is going to be the light of the world. John also throws in a little three-word sentence when he says it was winter. And in that, many commentators point out that winter is cold and it's a sign that their hearts were frigid to the Lord. Because you notice when they ask Jesus the question, tell us plainly if you are the Christ, Jesus says, I've already told you. In other words, your hearts are cold. You're not really interested in listening to me fully. You have your own plans. You have your own agenda. You're following your own message, and you're not willing to hear the voice of the good shepherd. It's interesting when we think of Jesus as being the good shepherd, as we continue to recall this week based on last Sunday's liturgy on Good Shepherd Sunday, that on the one hand, Jesus is the good shepherd who leads his flock, and at the same time, Jesus is the innocent lamb. In other words, the lamb is the baby sheep who's there in the midst of the flock. He is the innocent lamb who again is going to be sacrificed and offer himself as a saving, atoning gift to the Father. It reminds us that Jesus is not a ruler who leads from a castle on the hill or who leads from a distance, but rather he is right in the midst of his flock. He is walking amongst his sheep and he is close, personal, and intimate with them as he leads and guides them to salvation. Somebody once told me that with sheep, if the shepherd is having a hard time getting them to follow and move in a particular direction, that sometimes the technique the shepherd can use is to go and pick up the littlest sheep and then to carry it, and then the rest will kind of follow along after the little one. In some ways, by Jesus becoming the little sheep, by the lamb who offered, is being offered as a sacrifice, he really leads us by example through his offering and through his worship of the Father and shows us the path that we are called to follow. For us who are called to belong to the flock of Jesus, it really means recognizing his voice, to know that the presence of God is near to us, that he is nearby, that he's calling out to us, and that he wants to lead us toward eternal life by following him, by discipling the Lord. I suppose we could say that the frequency of the voice of the Good Shepherd is the one which resonates deepest within the human heart. In other words, the voice of Jesus which calls out to us as a voice of truth, as the voice of love, as the way that leads us to eternal life. Ultimately, this is the voice that resonates deepest in our own heart of what our deepest longings are. Because our desires are for eternal life, they are for truth, for goodness, for love, and ultimately, only the voice of Jesus Christ is going to be resonating at the same frequency of this longing that we have within us because we were made by God and we were made for Jesus. No other voice in the world is able to offer or to answer that deep longing that we have in our hearts for eternal communion with God. And so today, my brothers and sisters, let us give thanks for the gift of Jesus, the Good Shepherd, who leads us and guides us, but who also himself became the innocent lamb to be offered on our behalf. 
Let us pray that we would always listen and recognize his voice when he calls because his is the voice that leads to eternal life. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, filled with paschal joy, let us pray more earnestly to God that he who graciously listened to the prayers and supplications of his beloved Son may now be pleased to look upon us in our lowliness. For the shepherds of our souls, that they may have the strength to govern wisely the flock entrusted to them by the Good Shepherd, let us pray to the Lord. For the whole world, that it may truly know the peace given by Christ, let us pray to the Lord. For our brothers and sisters who suffer, that their sorrow may be turned to gladness which no one can take from them, let us pray to the Lord. For our own community, for those joining us online and via radio, that we may bear witness with great confidence to the resurrection of Christ, let us pray to the Lord. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. O God, who know that our life in this present age is subject to suffering and need, hear the desires of those who cry to you and receive the prayers of those who believe in you through Christ our Lord. The King of love, my shepherd, is whose goodness fails me never. I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine forever. Where streams of living water flow, by ransomed soul he is leading, and where the verdant pastures grow, with food celestial feeding. You who spread a table in my sight, your saving grace be bestowing. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. Look, O Lord, upon the offerings we present to you in commemoration of St. Athanasius, and may witnessing to your truth bring salvation to those who profess, as he did, an unblemished faith. Through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your heart. 
Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, at all times to acclaim you, O Lord. But in this time above all, to laud you yet more gloriously, when Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. Through him the children of light rise to eternal life, and the halls of the heavenly kingdom are thrown open to the faithful. For his death is our ransom from death, and in his rising the life of all has risen. Therefore, overcome with paschal joy, every land, every people exalts in your praise. And even the heavenly powers with the angelic host sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, plenis uncelli et terra, gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, Hosanna in excelsis. Domini, O Sahana, in my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood the blood of the new and eternal covenant which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith Save us, Savior of the world for by your cross and resurrection you have set us free. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, 
and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope and Michael our Bishop and all the Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life, and may praise and glorify through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Preceptis salutaribus moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater Noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum coditianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, Sicut et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, cui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, cui tolis peccatamundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed.
For those who are unable to receive our Lord sacramentally in Holy Communion, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Shepherd of souls, refresh and bless your chosen pilgrim flock with manna in the wilderness with water from the rock. We would not live by bread alone, but by your word of grace, in strength of which we travel on to our abiding place. Be known to us and break bread, but do not then depart. Save your abide with us and spread your table in our heart. Lord, sup with us. Your body and your that living bread, that heavenly wine, be our immortal food. Let us pray. Grant us, we pray, Almighty God, that the true divinity of your only begotten Son, which we firmly profess with St. Athanasius, may through this sacrament ever give us life and protection through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. At the Lamb's high feast we sing Praise to our victorious King, who hath washed us in the tide, flowing from his pierced side. Praise we him whose love divine gives the guests his blood for wine, gives his body for the feast. Love the victim, love the priest. Where the paschal blood is poured, Death's dark angel sheathes his sword. Israel's host triumphant go Through the wave that drowns the...
The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Spreading the splendor of truth. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hello, this is Father Charles Van Fleet, pastor of Regina Chaley Parish in 